0: the lifestyle that sustains the gates of hell Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail The gates of hell are demons they're strongholds represented by demons when people don't keep to their place oh my god you mm. see the reason why lucifer was thrown out of heaven in the presence of God together with the demons that followed him in the insurrection that he led. That was because they didn't keep their place. They didn't stay where they were meant to be now where you're meant to be can either be a come command like come hither come up here in the case of moses he was told to come up to the mountain to the presence of god on mount sinai in other instances it's a stay here It can even be a go there. A go command usually means you've got a new instruction to do something. Like for Paul, he was to go to the Gentiles. Also um simon was sent to him um was told to go and um, pray for paul so that he'd receive his sight we have many goals like nineveh the man was called jonah he was supposed to go so go normally means you're on assignment to do something to go somewhere and then come up here is normally where you will receive your instruction on what to do next so normally fasting prayer seeking God is done on a quote-unquote mountain that is the replica of coming up the mountain because you're setting time and you're getting away you are actually separating yourself from people civilization your normal day-to-day so men of God prophets of God usually or even just sons and daughters of God would be required at certain times to go or to come up um, or go up a mountain it's a place of seclusion it's a place of loneliness it's like God carves out time in your busy schedule requiring you to sort of separate yourself and, and go where he wants you to be in order to hear from him and get your next um, set of instructions or obtain your matching orders. At that at the crossroads, you can also voluntarily go up higher or go and meet with God. That's what King Hezekiah did when and Cherub presented this letter to him, threatening him, taunting him. You know that's witchcraft, yeah? Trying to get him to psychologically become worn out, tore down, brought down and emotionally just fighting his soul, his emotions, his mind. And Hezekiah was wise enough, he didn't go off to think about it and get lost in his thoughts. He took the letter to the temple, he took the letter before God that's what we should do with our problems we should present the challenge even if you have physical evidence the better it's a warning letter usually they print out stuff for you when things are hard and <laughs> um, there's always evidence um it's your penalties or interest notification um, A report from a doctor. You'll normally have a printout of those. I'd say take them to church or to a place where the presence of God is very strong. Take them to the altar or your home altar. In the house where you know you meet with God. Present it before God. Let Him be the judge. Listen. Stay there and listen to what He would say about it. The many issues that are brought before God. The important thing is when you hear the word that he speaks to you, run with it. Run with it. Don't doubt. Don't hold back. Go to the cross of God. Oof. Go to the cross of Jesus. Mm. Oh, come to the father go to the father go to the cross when jesus went to the cross when he died he paid the price for you to obtain everything so say you know father god you sent your son to die for us and to obtain for us freedom and liberty and free us from our bondage by his stripes we were healed We would obtain favor because of him. Obtain life in abundance. Now there's this thing that is a snare, a bondage to me. It's my mortgage payment. I'm being threatened in the workplace. Um, With dismissal, it's something that is holding me back. It's not allowing me to be free. So I present this bondage to you. Jesus, I come to the cross for you to free me from this. And then keep coming because sometimes we ask once or twice and then we give up. Keep going up if you have to go up more than once if you have to stay up there, pleading with God. Father, have mercy on me. My rent is due. I don't know where the money will come from. My child's school fees is due. I don't know where to get any of this money from. And then you'll get your instructions. You'll hear a word, maybe sell this and that or acquire this and that, or do ABCD. Most of the time, prayer comes with instruction. You do something to obtain something. Prayer is not an end in itself. Usually, even just writing down your request on paper, there has to be an action, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know about prayer ending there at prayer. Most of the time you got to do something, even when you're looking for a job. Um, sometimes you have to apply or you need to talk to somebody. When, um, When Jesus healed the lepers, when Jesus healed the lepers, he told them, Go and show yourself to the teachers um, in the temple. Let the, let the priests examine you. Because prior to that, no leper could go into the presence of God because they were unclean. Their illness made them unclean. So he told them to go and get examined by the high priest or by the priest. And then while they were going, they got healed. So sometimes provision comes in the action or activity. Provision comes in the action or activity of obeying the activity of obedience there's always something that will be required sometimes it's just a seed like sowing or giving a simple instruction don't wait for big big instructions. sometimes it's the small things that lead to the bigger things Go and talk to so-and-so. Give X amount to this and that. Sometimes God will even require you to speak to your enemies. Like, it's very hard to predict God, you know. But the thing is to remain alert and obedient and pliable. And the biggest secret towards a breakthrough is the time you give God. I'm not talking about the work time. I'm talking about the time in seclusion, in confinement. Because sometimes we say, you're giving so much time to God, but It's within a capacity like a church deacon, or I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the serving. I'm talking about sitting with God to listen to Him while He speaks to you. And sometimes the very obedience to come to Him. Is all he requires just, just agreeing to me to be summoned and to appear before him. Mm. Just appear before him. Have a mindset of an appointment. Sometimes prayer prayer can be a term that scares many people, but. You know if an appointment is what makes you more receptive then then look at it as an appointment or a meeting yeah make it make it a meeting you know schedule it as a meeting even on your phone Mm. so do you have a meeting time and that way put it even on your calendar like you would block out time for a physical or any other meeting in the office or whatever, for a meeting. You know that, that you have meetings, right? That you block out time for. The same way you block out time to go visit a friend or to, to see your parents or whatever. Block out that time on a daily basis for your meeting with God. Put a reminder. Make it serious so that you take it seriously. Maybe that's what you need to do so that that you don't lose it. God is a preserver. God preserves. God preserves. God preserves. I feel like God has moved on to another topic. God is a preserver. He's not here to make you languish and die. That's a wrong mindset. Never give yourself up to to poverty or a mindset of suffering god is not here to make people suffer oof he wants to bless people he wants to make you comfortable but what he needs from you is total allegiance allegiance to him only when there is a competitor is anything competing with him or he'll make you face it and get rid of it. He doesn't like competition. He's a jealous God. So when you make God number two or number three, he's looking for number one position. How can you not give? You see, the thing is, We're wired to think that our little capsule of life is outside of God. But, you know, in reality, He's the one that manages even that for you. And it takes a few people sometimes to be thrown out of their comfort zone for others to start to realize you know what it's true it's god who does these things for us we plan and then he perfects the plan but you know what there's also a principle where your thoughts go is where god goes and it's true because mm, you're assigned angels everybody has an angel A thought is a command. That's why Jesus put emphasis on thoughts. Thoughts are things, as somebody said. Thoughts are things. Where your mind goes is where ways are created. Channels are created. Where the mind goes. Channels are created. I will make a way where there seems no way. Channels. Portals. Miracles. Destinies the impossible i'll do abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine the unimaginable all this is done and achieved from your mind from your mindset and your belief from your mindset and your belief sometimes the stars have to align so because leadership leadership and responsibility is very much a heart issue and when you ask for things when your heart isn't right God will reject it or ask you to wait because your heart needs to be cleaned and then he judges the intents of people Their motives is not to say that the wicked don't thrive, they will. But then it's a trap, it's a thriving that comes with sorrow, with pain. Later on, down the line, it's like a time bomb. There will be a jerking up, an automatic retrieval of everything that they have prospered by wickedness. So you've got to be really humble yet joyful. Humble yet joyful in anticipation of the things of God coming to pass. Because the future for the children of God is very bright. But then here and now can be very trying so you gotta stretch 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 in the here and now all you do is stretch 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 your capacity because your soul and your body have a lot of catching up to do when it comes to the place where god wants you to go cannot remain in the flesh and you cannot pamper your soul according to your flesh the ways of God require that the soul be made pliable And shapeable according to the will of God. Anything less I want to do it's a very tight place but strivings soon ceased. Strivings will soon cease. There are many dangers, many toils, a lot of hardship, many foes. But in helping you to fight all of this, God is strengthening your spirit man so that you do not rely on your arm of flesh the arm of flesh will fail you and so that you also don't rely on the occult or idolatry because that is an abomination that is going to face outright rejection from God when you try to do that, God will oppose you Himself. So now you face to the choice, and the choice really is Can I believe God in this? In my struggle can I believe God do I trust him do I truly trust him can I look forward to his promises even as an old man can I trust that he will provide a son for me I'm 80 years old Obedience is tough guys Obedience is tough But you can only please God By faith So you gotta believe You gotta believe That's all that matters That you have faith To obey To do follow through with instructions no laziness another thing about God he's very time sensitive time sensitivity is what other attribute of God he wants certain things done at a certain time when you miss that timing That season, cause, is like the seasons of rain, sunshine, cold, heat. They all have a purpose because to harvest you need sunshine. The season of harvest is warm most of the time. And you plant in very wet and uncomfortable circumstances sometimes. But the wisdom of God is that seasons have function. And because we don't have the entire plan of God in front of us, the best we can do is to trust that God knows what he's doing. And when he says go, it is time to go. It is time to go. You don't sit with an instruction, you obey it. <laughs> Your life is a testimony, it's a testament, you know, it's a testament you're a book you're a written book you're a living book that people are reading oof and they will evaluate and review god through your life that's true and people sometimes miss it when they don't see that god is making of you A story of himself. That's why we had the story of David. We understand God through the story of David and Goliath. You are the epistle. You are the testament. You are the witness you are the evidence that's why god said have you seen my servant job job was evidence to god his witness god's own inheritance god's inheritance in other words God lived in and through job's life if anybody wanted to know God they looked at job that is powerful because the only perfect portrayal of God was Jesus the rest all had flaws But they were used anyway. They were used to herald who God was. Because most of us don't know God like that. We can't even approach Him. We can't come to His presence. We haven't learned the presence of God. We haven't mastered Him. It feels like He doesn't know us, though He knows us. But more importantly, we do not know Him, and the knowledge of God is so important because that's the only thing that helps us successfully navigate life—the life He has given us. He is our GPS, and you. Are the shepherd and the pointer for many. You give direction to others. So if you don't know God, if you don't follow Him as your GPS, then He cannot use you to point others to Him. So by obeying him, we lead the flock that he has entrusted us with, beside still waters into great pastures. You see, sometimes God doesn't give us a church; he does not give us a Facebook following. He gives us enemies to track us to follow us to monitor us and he god judges them condemns them convicts them draws them through you they are your assailant is drawn by god your pursuer is drawn by god convicted by god challenged by god through you you don't have a charge you don't even have like influence like that but you have enemies Oh and they know you. Yeah, they send monitoring spirits. They send monitoring human agents. They are on your case. And God permits them. God allows it to be so. Because he's making a statement to them. You see they don't know that. They don't know him. They don't know God, but they are hell bent on destroying you. So they know everything about you, and God uses you to lead them to destruction or salvation. Now, when Pharaoh was pursuing Moses, Moses and the children of Israel, God told him to lead the Israelites backwards, backwards, <laughs> regression, backwardness, stagnation, Ooh, and they seemed stuck in backwards. In between a rock and a hard place, so that God would harden Pharaoh's heart and make him pursue, pursue the Israelites, his children, he wanted to pounce on them, turn them into minced meat. Pharaoh wanted to return them back to slavery because they were his economic backbone. Whoof, he was cashing in on their strength and blessedness. Because the blessings of Abraham still rested up to that generation, 400 years later. They still manifested and were evident. Look at the pyramids. Do you know what it takes to do that? Do you know what it takes to do that? The magnificence of the kingdom of Pharaoh rested on the stone. The sheer strength and wisdom, understanding, and favor that God had on the Israelites. The Jews were favored. I will bless you. You will become a great nation. Them who bless you, I will. Your name will be a blessing. Those who curse you, I will curse. They were blessed, even as slaves, even in their hardship, they were productive, they had favor. They had might, strength, and God was preparing them for battle. Hmm. They had strength. You know what the midwives told Pharaoh? The midwives who were supposed to kill the children of Israel. They said, you know, the Hebrew ladies are not like the Egyptians. They push the babies out with their strength. And by the time we get there, the babies are born. Yeah. And God blessed those midwives for sparing his children. Persecution, hard labor, hardship. Sometimes it's a sign of your destiny. Being bright and powerful. These were powerful people, they were so powerful. That they had created the status that Egypt had economically. Egypt was a state to reckon with because of a foreign people that God had his finger on. The finger of God rested upon them. The hand of God rested upon them. It was the doing of the Lord that they prospered. Even in bondage, they were recognized as powerful. but they didn't know it they didn't know it they didn't know that they had a say they didn't know that they're the ones that made egypt tick they didn't know that everything that the egyptians prided in was out of their strength who would walk the fields who was going to build the pyramids who was going to make pharaoh great the mind was pharaoh's but the israelites produced the work Hmm. now It was time for them to leave. Time had come for that same brute energy to be used in wars. Wars. Oh God! I just saw. There's been an accident. I hope everybody is well. It's okay, Father. Please let them be okay. It was time for that brute energy to be used elsewhere in wars to get kingdoms for God. God said I will use you as an example the nations around you so that they will get to know me god oh looks like he's okay through you through you because they didn't know god that's why i said you're the epistle god is saying you're the testament you're the book And others are going to read. You're the aroma. You're the one that will proclaim God through your life. And whatever you do. Will give God a name or defame him it's a risk isn't it it's a risk that God has taken that you who is his child will manifest his glory or because of your disobedience you'll manifest his anger His wrath, but either way, the people around you will get to know God through you who say that you're a child of God. No non-believer will take God for His word because they don't know Him. But through you, they have an idea. Because you say you're a child of God. You say you're his child. Mm -hmm. So let's see what the father looks like by observing you. I have met kids and I can tell what their father or mother looks like. Because I have met them. I can even tell the behavior of their parent because of the behavior of the child. I can tell you the mindset of the parent because of the mindset of the child. I can tell you the economic tier or income level of the parent because I see the child rocking some gushy. Or whatever he's doing or has where did he get it from he got it from the parent there's no five-year-old who's working they got everything from their parent even a 10 15 year old it's the parent they're representing their father and mother mm. so even us mm. God has risked everything to put his reputation on us. His so-called children. Who are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Who accepted Jesus as Savior. Now unless you're a child of Belial. And you don't really believe in Jesus. Jesus then you know what? This message should be very important to you. Because Moses was judged according to what he displayed of his master and God, his God. You know what it means to have a God. A God. A God means everything you are. All your being, all your mind, your soul, your strength, everything is a representation of him. And it's all for him. AIDS to him it is a loyalty on a very high standard it's only Christians who mess with their God you don't see Muslims diverging or, or leaving the way like that they just do things for Allah they even kill people. The extreme ones, huh? because there's some who are very serious as well. But it is like military obedience, unchallenged in their belief. They have singular mindset, singularly set upon the desires of their god <sighs> of a singular mind so ladies and gentlemen we've got to get to that place where there is no challenging of the position of If you call him your God, then everything about you should be about him. But for a Christian, the president of their nation is more important than their God. Their marriage is more important than their God. What they wear and drink is more important than their God. Where they go to hang out is more important than their God. Their friendships are more important than their God. Their children are more important than their God. And it is grieving to your maker who you say is your God. Cause it is betrayal on the highest level to say that's your God then you go to an idol for help then you go to a human being for help then you go to other means to settle your matter and not to God So he's waiting for you to come back to your senses, like the prodigal son, to come back to your senses and see who you truly are as a child of God, who you truly are as a believer in Christ. what word moves you or shakes you determines where your heart's allegiance is what makes you jump up is it god or is it your boss what makes you stand to attention is it your president or your god what makes your heart race is it your husband or boyfriend or your god where is your loyalty is it in your job or your god then who is your god anyway who is your god anyway what is your god anyway do not worry because of evildoers not be envious toward wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb trust rely on and have confidence in the lord and do good dwell in the land and feed securely on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him also, and he will do it. He will make your righteousness, your pursuit of right standing with God, like the light, and your judgment like the shining of the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him and entrust yourself to him. Do not fret, whine, agonize because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil for those who do evil will be cut off but those who wait for the lord they will inherit the land for yet a little while and the wicked one will be gone forever though you look carefully where he used to be he will not be found But the humble will at last inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity and peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, the wicked one, the one who oppresses the righteous. For he sees that his day of defeat is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy. To slaughter those who are upright in conduct, those with personal integrity and godly character. The sword of the ungodly will enter their own heart. And their bow will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous who seek the will of God than the abundance riches of many wicked godless. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds and sustains the righteous who seek him. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and the inheritance will continue forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have plenty and be satisfied. But the wicked and godly will perish, And the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures and like the fat of lambs that is consumed in smoke. They vanish like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and kind and gives. For those blessed by God will at last inherit the land. But those cast by him will be cut off. The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. And he delights in his way and blesses his path. When he falls, he will not be hurled down. Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand and sustains him. I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous Those in right standing with God abandoned for his descendants pleading or his descendants pleading for bread. All day long he is gracious and lends and his descendants are a blessing. Depart from evil and do good and you will dwell securely in the land forever. For the Lord delights in justice and does not abandon his saints, his faithful ones. They are preserved forever. But the descendants of the wicked will in time be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and live in it forever. The mouth of the righteous proclaims wisdom. And his tongue speaks justice and truth. The law of his God is in his heart. Not one of his steps will sleep. The wicked lies in wait for the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for and expect the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. In the end, when the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent man with great power, spreading and flaunting himself like a cedar in its native soil. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought him, but could not; but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man who is spiritually complete and behold the upright who walks in moral integrity. There is a good future for the man of peace. Because a life of honor blesses one's descendants. As for transgressors, they will be completely destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their refuge and stronghold in a time of trouble. The Lord helps them and rescues them. He rescues them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Thank you, Jesus. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim judgment against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as prophet. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote of the Phoenician trading cities. So he paid the fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Shashish, to Tashish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind toward the sea, and there was a violent tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each man cried out to his God, and to lighten the ship and diminish the danger, They threw the ship's cargo into the sea. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was sound asleep. So the captain came up to him and said, How can you stay asleep? Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us so that we will not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so we may learn who is to blame for this disaster. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Now tell us who is to blame for this disaster? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? So he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I reverently fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was running from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What should we do to you, so that the sea will become calm for us? For the sea was becoming more and more violent. Jonah said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard, breaking through the waves, to return to land. But they could not, because the sea became even more violent, surging higher against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, do not let us perish because of taking this man's life, and do not make us accountable for innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. Then the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared, anointed, appointed, destined a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish and said, I called out of my trouble and distress to the Lord, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried for help, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the deep heart of the seas, and the currents surrounded and engulfed me. All your breakers and billowing waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple, the waters surrounded me to the point of death. The great deep encuffed me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I descended to the very roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me, bolting me in forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, death. O oh Lord, by God, when my soul was fainting within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. Into your holy temple, those who regard and follow worthless idols. Turn away from their living source of mercy and loving kindness. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I shall pay that which I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. So the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. So, verse 8, once again, in a different version. Mm, NLT, perhaps. <laughs> Those who worship false gods, turn their backs on all God's mercies. Okay, so, continuing with NLT. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on balap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in balap and sat on a heap of ashes. And the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your hearts and flocks may eat or drink anything. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done, and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, The worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head. Until he grew faint and wished to die, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth unjustly condemned he was led away no one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people he had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone but he was buried like a criminal he was put in a rich man's grave but it was the lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. You say that I should ask, but I am too scared to. You say that I should endure, but I am too anxious to wait still you wash me clean forgive me for being human your love is amazing so amazing it's amazing your love is amazing so amazing it's amazing You said I am free, but I don't feel it So I look down on myself You say you love me, but I don't think you could Still you wash me clean, and call me your own again Your love is amazing, so amazing It's amazing Your love is amazing So amazing It's amazing Now I know I can't rely On how I feel Or how things look I just lean into your loving arms Breathe in your presence and choose to live again. Your love is amazing, so amazing. It's amazing. Your love is amazing, so amazing. It's amazing. The man of Galilee. He has been so very good to me. He has forgiven all my sins and gave the Holy Ghost to me. I love the man of Galilee. I love the man of Galilee. He has been so very good to me. He has forgiven all my sins and gave the Holy Ghost to me. I love the man of Galilee, of Galilee. I love the man of Galilee. He has been so very good to me. He has forgiven all my sins and gave the Holy Ghost to me. I love the man of Galilee. He has forgiven all my sins and gave the Holy Ghost to me. I love the man of Galilee.